Let's go to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 this evening. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. We're going to be looking at the second half of this chapter this evening. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you and Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to gather for those joining us on live stream and those in person. And Lord, this text, once again, is just so fitting for us as we go through trial, as it's a a time where you have allowed trial in our country, but also throughout our world. And I know many are, are facing individual trials as well. So God, would you open up our hearts and would you open up our understanding? Holy Spirit, would you bless this time? Would you really allow us to walk in love? And we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Surprises can be really good, can't they? Like a surprise birthday party, lots of fun, right? A surprise gift, a blessing. But surprises can also be bad, can't they? A burglar comes into your house. That's a surprise that's not so good. You get a flat tire. Not the surprise you were looking for today. A pleasant surprise? Hey, you get a raise. A not so pleasant surprise? Bad news, you've lost your job. We're cutting back, downsizing, you're fired, you're let go. What we're challenged by Peter is to not be surprised when fiery trial comes into our life when suffering comes into our lives. Now, that's easier said than done, isn't it? Because when there is trial in our lives, oftentimes it's quite a shock. Even though we know the scriptures, we know what Jesus has warned us and what he has taught us, that in this life there's going to be suffering. There's going to be suffering because of the futility of this world. There's going to be suffering because of persecution those that are coming against righteousness. There's going to be sickness and disease. There's going to be betrayal and and broken relationships. But yet, when we find ourselves in that trial, it's so hard to not be shocked, to change our thinking and go, yeah, this is to be an expected part of the journey, and God has a purpose for me in the pain. So that's the challenge for us tonight, is to not be surprised when we're going through fiery trial. Let's pick up our text. Beloved, Do not think it strange concerning fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing has happened to you. Don't be surprised by suffering. Remember, the original readers, those receiving this letter, were going through persecution. Nero was quite literally putting them under fiery trial. They were being burned for their faith in Jesus Christ. They were dispersed. Peter began this epistle by writing to the dispersion, writing to the believers that had to leave their home because of their love for Jesus Christ. And Paul, or Peter, I do that every week, Peter is in this place of saying, I don't want you to think it's strange about fiery trials that come upon you. If you were with us last week, you remember the first verse of chapter 4, we were exhorted to arm ourselves with the same mind of Christ which was a mind to suffer. Jesus had this mindset where he came to this world where he was willing to suffer. And we're to arm ourselves with that same type of thinking. It's offensive thinking to say, I'm not expecting this life to be absent of suffering. 
Yes, there's going to be persecution. Yes, there's going to be fiery trial that come into to our lives. And it's to test you. It's to grow you. It's to deepen our understanding in who the, the Lord is. So what's the trial, right? Well, we know the COVID, COVID is the trial for all of us, though we each have individual trials. Do you remember how much everyone was gangbusters January 1st, 2020? I was kind of taken back by it. It wasn't your normal New Year's Day. Everybody had a heightened New Year's resolution because it was 2020. Like, I'm examining my whole life, and this is everything that has to change in my life, and it's going to happen this year because it's 2020. The roaring 20s. The economy's good. Everything's optimistic. Till about March 13th, right? And then God put the brakes on our plans. He put a our breaks on all of those New Year's resolutions of, of 2020. And, and our country is in a trial. Our world is in a trial. Every country is being affected by uh, the COVID virus. And, and we're so shocked, aren't we? We're like, man, I, I can't believe this. I, I'm shocked, to be quite honest with you. Even though we've had months to process this, I didn't think it would go on near this long. I mean, here we are halfway through August and, and still going through it, and we'll be going through it th- through some, some time. And then it seems that in life there are a lot of blessings, aren't there? There's a, a lot of seasons where things are pretty good. But then all of a sudden, here comes a trial. Here comes a difficulty. Here comes suffering. And, and it can take us by surprise. Man, I never would have expected this. I never would have thought this. And now I find myself in this particular situation. But put the emphasis here on the thinking. Don't think it strange concerning the fiery trial. These believers, the early church, should not be surprised that persecutions come into their life. Darkness hates the light. And for us to change our thinking, to understand, okay, yeah, suffering really is going to be part of this life. And God has a point and a purpose in this. So if you've gone through some type of trial currently, or you've gone through some type of trial in the past, don't think it's some novelty. Don't, don't go, man, I can't believe that this has happened to me. Because that really holds us back, doesn't it? It holds us back from growth. It holds us back from what God's doing in the midst of that suffering. Like, I, I just can't believe this. I don't know how many times in the last four or five months, I just can't believe this, right? And at some point, we got to go, okay, I got to stop acting like this is some strange novelty that's happened to me and that this is part of the human experience. Suffering in all shapes and sizes is part of the human experience until we go home to be with the Lord. Easier said than done. Let it sink in. Change your thinking towards suffering. Verse 13 But rejoice to the extent that you are partaker of Christ's suffering, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. So this goes beyond accepting the trial, changing our thinking about the trial, but to choose to rejoice. To rejoice to the extent that you are partakers of Christ's suffering. These believers are participating in Christ's suffering because... They're being persecuted for righteousness' sake. They're following in the footsteps of Christ. 
And when we're able to be persecuted because we're, we're Christians, we should rejoice because we're partakers of Christ's suffering. Do you have someone coming against you because you're a Christian, because you're a believer? Your dedication to the Lord has, has turned them off. Well, rejoice that you're able to partake in Christ's suffering. And I, I'd suggest to you this evening that all suffering gives us an opportunity to fellowship with Christ's suffering. All difficulty, physical difficulty that we go through, broken relationships, we understand Christ's rejection when we're rejected. Yes, persecution allows us to partake in Christ's suffering, but also all types of, of suffering. And then there's this eternal expectation that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. God puts his exclamation mark on the reality that suffering doesn't have the final word, but Christ has the final word. He's going to return. He's going to be revealed in glory. We're going to be revealed with him. That the suffering in this life is worth it. Entering into the suffering of Christ is worth it. Part of the Christian life and what Jesus calls us into is that it's going to be hard. It is going to be hard. Jesus said, take up your cross and, and follow me. But it's worth it. It's worth it to live for that testimony in Christ. These two verses are personal to me right now as I've been having some fresh suffering in my life. And I've been sharing with this since April, mid-April, I got diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And I'll, I'll spare you the specifics of some of the challenges that that's brought into my life. But it's a whole new normal for me as I'm learning to manage my blood sugars and I'm insulin dependent being a type 1. It's very different than than type 2. And so I'm always giving myself insulin and monitoring. And my life just looks incredibly different than it did prior to getting this diagnosis. And, and I've got to tell you, it's not a trial that I ever thought I'd find myself in. And it's a trial that will last until I go home to be with the Lord. It's something that I'll deal with until I get my glorified body. Which, man, I always used to say, I'm looking forward to my glorified body being buff which now I'm just looking forward to a glorified body uh, that has a working pancreas, right? That, that produces uh, uh, insulin. And as this trial came into my life, I, I've kind of taken my health for granted. I'm 42 years old. I've never had any health problems, rarely have to go to the doctor, been on a antibiotics of, you know, a few times in, tw in 20 years. I just haven't had to think about my health. God's been really gracious uh, to me with this. And most people get type 1 when they're kids and when they're teenagers, so I'm, I'm thankful that my type 1 didn't show up till I was 42. But I want to share what God's been teaching me about suffering tonight and to, to go a little bit deeper into these verses as it pertains to me. So what I'm currently learning in suffering, and I hope that it's an encouragement to you as well, and the first is it's taken me deeper into God's comfort. And I know you know this, and this makes sense, but without pain, you don't have the opportunity to go to God as your comforter. If we're going to change our mind about suffering and think differently about suffering and not be so shocked when suffering comes into our lives, is it does provide a great opportunity to come to God as our comforter. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, it tells us that God is the God of all comfort and the Father of mercies. 
And just in the last two weeks, there's been a connection to me between the God of all comfort and the Father of mercy. God's comfort is connected to him being the nature of our Father. That's the connection. He comforts us as our dad. He comforts us as our, as our papa. And if you have kids, you know that this is part of your nature as a parent, is to comfort them with that fatherly and, and motherly love. And for some reason, for me, there's always been a disconnect with God being my father. And I have a wonderful dad. He's a godly man, so it's not like I, I grew up in a home with a terrible, abusive dad, so I can't connect with God as my father. But there's still just been this disconnect where I know that God's my father, but the idea of just calling him dad, going daddy, seems a little bit foreign to me, seems a little bit distant to me. It's a lot easier to refer to God as Lord and to refer to God as, as master and to understand that Jesus is, is my, my savior. But as I've been going through this, I've found that barrier broken down. And I found myself really enjoying God as my father and crying out to him, Dad, I just, I need your help. I, I need your strength in the midst of this. And I'm thankful for the suffering because it's giving me a greater understanding of God being my father. And I hope that that's the case for you. I hope that you can take the pain in your life and you can go to God and it's more than just a head knowledge that he's your father, but really understanding that he's your dad. And there's that, that opportunity to experience him as your father in pain that's unique to any other way, to any other experience. The second is this, appreciating the suffering of Christ in a greater way. Appreciating the suffering of Christ in a greater way. Part of what comes with type 1 diabetes is people think that you've damaged your body in order to get diabetes. So I get comments like, man, I knew the cheeseburgers and the ice cream would catch up with you. Type 1 is an autoimmune disease, and a, an autoimmune disease is not brought on by diet or exercise. And so I've got a label that's placed on me of, man, you must have abused your body in order to get diabetes. And so it's hard to come out and say, oh, I've got diabetes because what comes with that is, oh, you must have trashed your body in order to get diabetes. Well, that's a small thing, but it's caused me to appreciate more. Christ wore a label that he didn't deserve, right? Everybody thought he was an illegitimate child at a time where that wasn't very popular. And he had to wear that label his, his whole life. And I've understood in a, just a small way what Christ has done for me in wearing a label that he, he didn't deserve. I, I've never worn a label that I haven't earned. There's a lot of labels that I've earned in life. You know, there's, there's a lot of choices that I've made to, to deserve that, that label. And so it's caused me to appreciate Christ in a greater way. And I, and I bet if you examine your suffering as well, there's, a, there's an opportunity to be able to understand who Jesus is in a greater way. Number three for me in, in suffering, as this has been relevant in my life, is it's deepened my need to be renewed by God on a daily basis. To be renewed by him on a daily basis. We're, we're told that the outward man is perishing. Yes and amen? Right? It's perishing, but the inward man is being renewed day by day. So having something in my health that causes me to be weakened 
And I'm thankful that I can work and be active and do all, all of these things, but there's still a reality that my physical life is dependent upon insulin is that that has given me an opportunity to have to depend upon God to renew my inner man. Okay, my, my outward man is perishing, but my inward man needs to be renewed. And when things are going good, and when things are kind of on auto, autopilot, it's easy to go through our days not realizing our need to be renewed by the Lord. But even when things are going well, we still need to be renewed by the Lord in a great way. So suffering helps us to see our daily dependence upon the Lord to be renewed by Him. Have you found your daily routine to be out of whack because of COVID? Could it be that this is then a daily reminder to say, I need to rely upon the Lord? Is there a broken relationship in your life right now? And that broken relationship causes you to have to rely upon the Lord to renew your inner man. Was there abuse that you were subject to at some point in your life? You're in the wrong place at the wrong time and someone took advantage of you and that pain stays with you every day of your life. And in the midst of that pain, there's an opportunity to say, man, Lord, I need to rely upon you today to renew and strengthen my inner man. That, that suffering gives us that opportunity to rely upon the Lord. I love this one. Uh, suffering has caused me to value people and time more. Caused me to value people and time more. Psalms 90 verse 12 says, So teach me to number my days so that I can gain a heart of wisdom. And suffering does that. Suffering causes us to realize, man, time is short. I could have easily gone home to be with the Lord uh, this April, but instead the Lord spared my life and, and I'm still here, which I'm thankful for. I'm, I'm looking forward to heaven, don't get me wrong, but I'm really excited to be a dad and be a husband and see my kids through their growing up years, Lord willing, and continue to walk with Amber through life. And suffering's caused me to, to see things a little bit differently and to say, man, I value people. Like, I really value this time that we are able to have together tonight. It's a privilege to, to be here. It's a privilege that you're here. It's a privilege that people can join us on, on live, live stream. You know, getting to have a meal with my family is something really special. Getting to go for a walk with my, with my kids, take Amber out for a cup of coffee. And it's not that I didn't value those things before, but I value them more. I value them more now than I did, did prior to this. And suffering's got that ability to do that if we're, if we're willing. And the weird thing is, though life is a little more difficult now, is I'm enjoying life more. I'm enjoying life more. And there is an opportunity in pain to actually enjoy things to a greater capacity. It's almost like pain produces this fertile soil to say, I'm going to be grateful to God, and I'm going to be grateful to the people that he has placed in my life. Some of the people that seem to enjoy life the most have experienced more than their fair share of pain. And like, man, this doesn't seem to go together. I don't, I don't understand how this could be that you could go through so much pain but yet, in that pain, you've realized how good God is and how amazing it is to be right in that moment, just to be present in that moment. Several years back, uh, our worship pastor was Brad Ewing, 
And some of you knew Brad, and a lot of you never met Brad. And he is currently living in the South and serving the Lord. But Brad, before he came on staff at RMC, when he was serving at a church in New Mexico, got home from church with his family, and his two-year-old son ran into the house with the rest of the family, and Brad realized he'd forgotten something at church, and he had to go back to church to get it. And he starts backing out of the garage, and his son came behind the car. Brad had no idea that his son was there and ran over his son, and his son passed away. His, his son died. And I never knew this about Brad when he first came on staff. And we were hosting a conference here at RMC when the sanctuary was on the other side where children's ministry is currently. And him and I were sitting back in the sound booth and back in the media area, and, Chad and Brad shared that story with me. And I was shocked because Brad loves life and he loves people. And I was like, how could you have gone through such a crushing loss but yet had so much joy in your life? And to this day, Brad is one of those people that just enjoys life. He loves life. He loves God. He loves people. He doesn't take things too seriously. You know, sometimes there's things in our lives that, man, we don't really need to be sweating that. We don't really need to be worried about that. And Brad understands that. And that's a reality that pain can bring in our lives if we allow it to, is it actually can cause us to enjoy life more and enjoy the people that, that we're with. And the last thing is uh, what I'm currently learning and through suffering is it's strengthening my faith to see that God is using my suffering for eternal glory. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, where Paul says that our afflictions light, our afflictions momentary, and it's working for us a far more eternal weight and glory. Now, if we believe that God's our Father, and we believe that He's good— and he allows suffering in our lives, then we have to believe that there's a purpose. We can't always see it on this side of eternity. Sometimes we get a little glimpse, and we see God being able to bring about redemption. But when we get to heaven, I'm confident we're going to look back on the suffering in our lives, and we're going to go, it was worth it. It was worth it. It wasn't wasted. It was absolutely worth it. God brought about eternal glory through this suffering that I went through. Jesus went through earthly suffering that brought about eternal glory. And God calls us to follow in the footsteps of Christ where there's going to be suffering, but the end of that is going to be eternal glory. And I haven't learned it. I haven't mastered it. I don't know that I'll master it on this side of heaven but I'm starting to understand more through the eyes of faith. Man, there's eternal glory here. There's eternal glory to be had here. It's easy just to fly through these verses, to fly through verse 12 and 13, and to teach the concepts. Hey, don't think it's strange when you fall into a fiery trial. Rejoice in those trials because you're entering into the sufferings of Christ. But when we take a crushing blow in life, it's a process. It's a process to get our minds to that appropriate place of thinking, that biblical thinking, to get rid of that stinking thinking, and to start to begin to rejoice. There's so many promises in the Bible that encourage us to rejoice in the midst of suffering. 
because that's where God does his greatest work. Suffering can be our greatest teacher if we'll allow it to. We're going to learn our greatest lessons about Christ in the midst of suffering. So we have some fresh opportunities to be able to apply that, don't we? Okay, I need to start change my thinking about some of this present suffering with COVID or some of these personal challenges that that I'm going through. Verse 14, if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. So if you are reproached for the name of Christ, you're blessed. You're blessed. Blessed are those who are persecuted for, for Christ's sake. We may be headed into some days of persecution as the church of God. It seems to be the warning signs of that. If we do enter into that, God's word is clear. Man, it's a blessing. It's a privilege to be able to, to suffer for Christ's sake. And as we suffer for Christ's sake, then there's this promise that the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. God's spirit is going to give us the strength to be able to endure that persecution. So on their part, he's blasphemed, but on your part, he is, he's glorified. Here's the challenge, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. So if we're going to suffer, let's make sure that we're suffering for Christ's sake and for righteousness and not for our own stupidity and our own sin. You don't want to suffer as a murderer. You don't want to suffer as a thief or an evildoer. This is an easy time to be a busybody and start to get into other people's business and and other people's convictions. And, And we don't want to suffer for any of that. Verse 16, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. The word Christian, it means follower of Christ. It's used three times in Scripture. If we're suffering because we're Christ-like, then then don't be ashamed. You're glorifying God in this matter. We see this in Paul's writings, and I do mean Paul this time. In Philippians chapter 1, as Paul is in prison for his testimony for Christ, and there's some shame that goes with it. It seemed to be the cultural understanding among believers at this time is if you really had enough faith, you wouldn't be in prison or you wouldn't be suffering as, as a believer, or they, for some reason, felt a sense of shame if they were persecuted, like they had done something wrong. And here Peter is clearing that up and saying, man, if you suffer because you're following Christ, don't be ashamed of that. It's not a lack of faith. In fact, it's a testimony of your obedience. In verse 17, for the time has come for judgment to begin in the Democratic Party. <laughs> for the time has come for judgment to begin in the Republican Party. For the time has come for judgment to begin in the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Where does God want his judgment to begin? Amongst believers, amongst the, the house of God. So many times in the Old Testament, the children of Israel were off track because things were wrong spiritually. Things were wrong with the priests. 
Things were wrong with the prophets. There was, there was compromise in the house of God. There, there was idolatry in the house of God. And then that had the, the trickle-down effect that happened throughout the whole nation. Maybe the Lord wants to call believers back unto himself, wants to call churches back to himself, wants to get the attention of pastors and, and leaders. How many churches in America have gotten to a place where they stand for things that God doesn't stand for? They're calling something that is good evil and something that's evil good, and they're making up their own definition and putting God's, God's stamp on it. And is the Lord calling churches, calling believers back unto himself? And Peter is saying, guys, I want you to evaluate your own lives in context of this. It's, why are you suffering? Are, are you suffering because you're a follower of Christ? Or are you suffering because you're, you're an evildoer? And 1 Corinthians 11 instructs us when we take communion to evaluate ourselves, not for condemnation, but for conviction. Conviction's a good thing. Lord, what is it in my life that you want to change? What in my life are you wanting to, to wake up? Am I willing to, to suffer for the gospel's sake? Am I willing for this life to, to be more challenging so that more people could come to know Christ as their Savior? Am I more concerned with spiritual revival or am I more concerned with my comfort? That's a tough question, isn't it? A lot of times we go, at the end of the day, I want both. <laughs> I want spiritual revival and I want to be incredibly comfortable. <laughs> What if spiritual revival comes at the cost of us being comfortable and are we okay with that? And it's so easy for us to give our judgments in other places but to evaluate ourselves before the Lord. Say, God, what is it that you're wanting to show me? What is it that you're wanting to convict me of and to show me more of, of yourself? And please, don't, don't go in the realm of condemnation. Jesus paid the price for us upon the cross. But let's look at this in the way of how would the Lord want to grow us? How would the Lord want to stretch us and, and change us? This is where, this is where God's judgment should begin. And the idea here is, man, if, if there's not a spiritual awakening amongst believers, then what's the state of unbelievers going to be like? Pause here for just a second and turn with me over to Romans chapter 13. Romans 13. Romans 13, verse 11. And do this, knowing the time, that now is the high time to wake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than we first believed. God wants us to be awake, spiritually. Because... Our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. There is a spiritual condition that we can be in where we're saved, but we're spiritually asleep. We're not effective for the kingdom of God. This week we watched a documentary on Mount St. Helens, volcano in Washington State that erupted in 1980. And what was interesting about that is there was warning signs that it was going to blow. Scientists knew that it was going to blow. It was smoking. And they had set aside a perimeter 
a restricted zone where people couldn't go in. But yet, people wanted to be in the restricted area to see this natural phenomenon. And it turned out the restricted area was nearly not big enough, and many people lost their lives. They had no idea it was as close as it was. It took them by surprise. And the second coming of Christ, we don't want it to take us by surprise. We're close. It's near. When Christ comes back, we don't want to be in this place of spiritual slumber. When we die to go home to be with the Lord, we don't want to be in a place of spiritual slumber. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. And part of being spiritually awake is saying, I don't want anything to do with darkness. I I want to cast off these works of darkness and I want to put on the armor of light. It seems in the midst of these challenging times, it's easy to compromise, isn't it? And we can be praying for one another. People are giving up on marriages. People are jumping into pornography that haven't, but now they're feeling stressed and they're challenged. Alcohol sales are doing well. You know, marijuana sales are, are, are doing well. All the vices are, are, are doing well. And in the midst of the challenges and the temptations, man, don't, don't go to drunkenness. Don't, don't go to smoking pot. Don't go to domestic violence. Don't, don't go to pornography. Man, cast off the works of darkness. Let's fight against that and throw that off like an old garment and put on the armor of light. And the idea of armor of light is, man, I'm ready for battle. I'm ready for battle. I'm engaged in a battle. I've got the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness and the shield of faith. I'm going to engage in this, this battle. Church, we're fighting a spiritual battle. We need to be praying for one another, praying for young people, praying for our community, praying for that awakening to, to take place. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts, to fulfill its lusts. What causes us to wake up in, in a way like this? What causes the church to wake up in this manner? The love of God. When we see the love of God, the grace of God, his unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor, that should then cause us to awaken. It was said of the United States of America when the Pearl Harbor attack took place that the giant was awakened. That we were a country when in the midst of that conflict that was asleep and through the attack on Pearl Harbor, our country was awakened and called in into battle. What if it was the COVID virus that woke up the church of God globally? What if there was a, a spiritual revival that took place of many lost people coming to know Christ their Savior, of believers, of us as believers, not walking on the fence or playing games, but for to be genuine and authentic and be in our first love relationship with the Lord. That'd be awesome, right? That's what we're praying for. That's what we're hoping for. We can't control that worldwide, but we can control that in our own lives. We can control that in our own lives. It's often been said, if we want revival to draw a circle around our own life and to stay in it and plead that God would revive us. That's the idea of judgment starting in the house of God is saying, I'm not going to look out at the world. I'm not going to look at unbelievers. 
I'm going to look at my own relationship with the Lord and say, God, revive me. Lord, I want to be in love with you. One of the things I've been excited that we're seeing here in our church family is new people are coming. People are coming to know Christ is their, their savior. Donnie got to lead a young man to the Lord this afternoon and I got to meet him for the first time and it, it, it was so, so exciting. We're, we're seeing people come to church that are saying, man, I haven't been to church in a while. Church, this is the time to reach out. This is the time to reach out to unbelievers, reach out to those believers who have fallen away and say, man, it's time to know the Lord. It's time to get right with the Lord, that awakening to uh, take place. Let's go back to 1 Peter and look at verse 18. Verse 18. Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Again, it's this idea of if the church is unhealthy, what is this going to mean for the ungodly and the sinner? If, if believers are not walking strong with the Lord, then, then where is that godly influence in a lost and dying world? In verse 19, Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. Those who suffer according to the will of God. Church, if I'm reading this right, there's going to be times where we suffer because of the will of God. A loving father says, it's my will for you to suffer. God is sovereign. He is in control of these believers' lives that are being persecuted. They're staying true to Christ. At that moment in time, it was God's will for them to be persecuted. That's hard to swallow, isn't it? Like, if you lose your job because you're a follower of Christ, that's hard to, to swallow. But notice what is declared here is... Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him. And this is surrendering to the suffering. And this may be the most difficult with suffering is because we want to wiggle our way out of suffering or we tend to look back and we go, oh, man, I, I wish it was like that. Like, that's when it was good and now I've got this suffering in my life and oh, I, I just wish it was the way that it used to be. And we haven't surrendered to the suffering, trying to wiggle out or go back. And here we're called to commit our souls to, to God and continue to do good. And he is our, our faithful creator. Jesus, as he was crucified, dying, he committed his spirit unto the Father. He says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus wanted the cup of suffering to pass. He says, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He committed himself to the Father. He embraced the road of suffering that God had for him. He committed his soul to, to his Father. You cannot control the suffering that takes place in your life. We can control the suffering that's a result of sin. But there's a whole bunch of other suffering that we can't control in our lives, right? But we can control how we respond to it. We can, re we can choose. 
Each of us can choose. I've got a choice to make. You've got a choice to make to say, I get to choose how I respond to it, and I'm going to commit my soul to the one who's faithful, my faithful creator. Not my will, but your will be done. I'm accepting this. Not running away from it. I'm accepting this. And Lord, now give me the strength to move forward. Lord, give me the strength to be able to to trust you. And trusting God in the midst of that trial is important, though it's difficult. Lord, I believe, but help, help my unbelief. Don't try to get out of it. It's done now. You can't go in the past and change it. Say, just like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus, you, you accepted the suffering from the Father for greater glory. I'm accepting the suffering for greater glory. These early believers accepting the suffering of persecution for the greater glory. I want to encourage you tonight to change your thinking, your mindset about suffering. I think this is where the healing begins in our lives. Instead of being so shocked, I can't believe this happened to me. I can't believe this happened to the United States of America. I can't believe this happened to, to the world. I can't believe this happened to my son, my, my daughter. I can't believe that fill in the blank. Okay, I'm going to stop thinking that this is some strange thing that this fiery trial has come upon me. Do you know what fiery trial means? It really stinks. It's really hot. It's really hard. It's no fun. But to say, okay, I got to change my thinking about this. I got to arm myself with the mindset of Christ who was willing to suffer and surrender ourselves to the Lord. Say, okay, Lord, here I am. I'm not going to try to get out of this. I'm going to accept it. Not my will, but your will be done to trust the Lord and then begin to see what God does through suffering. And you know what? You'll have your own five points. You'll, you'll have your own five chapters. You'll have your own five novels. God will be faithful. He'll be faithful to his promises and he's going to begin to work in those trials in your life. So what I'd like to do tonight is two things. One, Thanks for all your prayers for me as I walk this out in my own life. And the second is, I want to pray for you. If you're going through suffering tonight, I'm going to ask that you'd raise your hand and that you would humble yourself to be able to receive prayer. And it'd be an honor to be able to, to pray for you. And for those of you who are on the live stream, I can see you if you raise your hand. So I'm just going to pretend that I can see you, but more importantly, the Lord sees you. And through faith, I'm going to ask that you would raise your hand, and I'm going to pray specifically for for those of you that are joining us on live stream as well. We're with you in spirit, and we want to lift you up in prayer as well. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you that you understand suffering. You watched your son suffer upon the cross. Jesus, you, you willingly went to the cross. You accepted that suffering from the Father and the good that resulted through it. We don't understand why certain things happen in our lives, why difficulty comes in our lives, but we do know that you love us. So would you help us in our thinking to not think it strange that some trial has has come upon us? So if you find yourself 
in a unique time of suffering right now, you're saying, man, this message is for me. I need prayer tonight. Would you raise your hand? Just lift your hand up, leave it up. I'm going to pray for you. Those on the live stream, lift your hand up and I'm going to pray with you and pray over you. Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you that we can journey through pain together, that we know the ending, that we're going to see you face to face. God, I pray for those that are suffering due to broken relationships, that you would would comfort them. You know betrayal, and you know sorrow, and you know how those wounds cut deep, and would you comfort their hearts? Lord, I pray for those that are going through physical suffering, their bodies just are not working the way they used to, and their days are hard because of the pain that they're in, that you would give them a fresh vision of you, that you would give them a fresh understanding of your love, that you'd be gracious to daily renew their inward man, where you see fit that you would bring healing and give doctors wisdom, fill fill them with hope. God, I pray over those that are in financial difficulty, wondering how they're going to pay their bills, and the bills are more than the income, and there's loss of jobs so that you would provide and you would give strength and that you would provide through means that we can't see, but you're the great provider. Lord, I I pray for those that are suffering with depression and a sadness that they just can't shake and they've, they've tried to shake it and we just ask in Jesus' name that you would set them free, that you'd fill them with hope. I do pray over those that walk with pain because of abuse that they experienced in their life from somebody that was supposed to love them but instead took advantage of them. Or just in the wrong place at the wrong time and somebody did something intensely evil and Lord, I ask that you would meet them. That, that's an intense pain and that you would comfort them and you'd heal their broken heart and walk with them through that that pain. For those that have lost a loved one and the loved one's passed away, that you would meet them and give them a hope of heaven. In all of the different aspects of pain, so much more pain than I could even begin to pray for. Father, would you allow us to go deeper into you being our dad? Would that that breakthrough take place of, of understanding that you are our father? We come into your arms and experience that peace that surpasses understanding. I pray for those that are listening online right now, that will listen in the future, that are responding in faith, Lord, that you would meet those needs, that you would protect them from isolation, that you would pour out your spirit upon them. You can put your hands down and let's just humble ourselves before the Lord and let judgment begin in the house of God. Let evaluation begin in the house of God, in our own hearts and in our own lives. Father, we plead with you for a spiritual awakening. Lord, you see the church and the church is asleep and the church is compromising and the church is teaching things that don't line up with your word. And Father, would you forgive us? Or would you forgive us as a country for turning our back upon you? of not wanting prayer to be part of public life, to to rejecting your teaching on sexuality, to denying you as the creator and rejecting Jesus as the savior. And 
Lord, would you be gracious to us as a country and as a church, Lord, would, would you bring us back to you? May there be genuine spiritual revival that, that takes place where we can't control other people's responses, but we're responsible for our own hearts and in our own lives. And would you search us and would you know us? And as we take communion tonight, would you search us? And would you reveal those things that we need to lay down and those idols that have become too important in our lives? And would you magnify your love for us? Would you magnify the the purpose and the vision that you have for our lives? Give us a, a heart for the lost. Forgive us for not caring about those that don't know you. So Lord, we do pray that you would wake up your church. And through that, that many people would come to know you. So Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.